This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Back of the Nest, the Palace Years. This time it's season 17-18. I'm Chris Hambling and in just a moment I'll introduce you to my panel as we review the season. Back of the Nest, the Palace Years. Right, uh, first up, it's a, it's a very special lineup today. It's it's a preview show take, takeover of some sort. Nearly said that right. Uh, first up, Terence Ford. Hello, hello, hello. It's good to be back. I'm so excited that you're on. You're my favourite. Oh, Albert. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we've also got Albert. All right, Albert. All right, that's nice. One for the confidence booster. No, seriously, I'm so excited you're on, Albert. You're my favourite. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, no problem. Fuck you, <clears throat> right, first, uh, first little beep for you there, Sam. Okay, um, this obviously carrying on from the previous show. We've just uh, got to the end of a season where Sam Allardyce had saved Palace from relegation, you know, with the help of the players, obviously. Yeah. But in true Palace style, we don't get to keep a manager, um, and I guess, gentlemen, maybe we weren't quite so disappointed that. Um, that Sam was going to go. It always felt like a short-term appointment, probably. Um, and we replaced him with a really exciting manager in Frank de Boer. Amazing pedigree. What a player he was. And uh, great success at Ajax. And, um, yeah, a little blip, of course, at Inter Milan. But everything was going to go perfectly well, wasn't it? He was going to introduce a lovely new uh, way of playing. It was going to be this sort of fluid system. And eventually would become the Ajax of South London. So... Uh, didn't quite pan out that way, though, did it, Terence? Mm, no, it certainly didn't. I was I was so excited when he became our manager that I went straight to eBay and spent seventy pounds on a Frank de Boer Barcelona shirt, which um, I wore to the opening game of the season, <laughs> and then um, it's been in the drawer ever since. But um, yeah, he came in, said he was going to take it slow, um, sort of transition us towards his uh, style of play. And um, just went straight out 3-4-3 three, three and screwed us over. 
Yeah, it was some really bizarre early decisions. Pre-season was interesting to say the least, which we'll get into at the moment. But an initial reaction from you as well, Albert. Did you have any fears at all? Were you as excited as the rest of us about the, the name Frank de Boer? Yeah, well, as Terence alludes to, it's a it's it's an exciting name because of based on the pedigree of the player. But as a manager, you know, Ajax was a, a great success story for him, but very much in a I'm not going to say an easy league, but in an environment that he knows and a team like Ajax should thrive in, into Milan, as you alluded you alluded to, that was all meant to be a blip because of unreasonable owners. Um, I don't know if that's a, a you know a warning from the past. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it all se- it all seemed it all seemed a bit too good to be true. Something wasn't didn't feel too right about it. But you know, we'd had some unexpected bits of news over the previous, you know, things like signing Kabai, signing Benteke in previous seasons. It just felt, you know, it wasn't completely out of the blue. But I, I can't say I was overly excited about it because I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but I certainly didn't expect it to only last as long as it did. Well, didn't a search for him last longer? <laughs> It was a, it's well, a good, it, yeah. good old time. <laughs> yeah, it took weeks and weeks and weeks. That's why, we, again, it was. we'll talk about the transfers uh, in and out um, in, in this first section here, but it took quite a while before we actually signed any players. And that's because we just didn't have a manager for ages. He was, it was, uh, Pellegrini was rumoured as well, and it was kind of seemed to end up as a, as a race between the two. Southampton then appointed Pellegrini. Um, or did they appoint him after we appointed Tabur? I forget. But, um, yeah, pff. It, it promised a lot, and um, yeah, despite the long search, and you can kind of see why, um, as a as a chairman, that, that Steve Parrish might have got kind of carried away with the personality of I say personality, he was a bit of a monotone, boring man, wasn't he? In, in reality, but um, but the kind of reputation that De Boer came with, and and the promise that he would turn us into this free flowing, you know, Ajax of South London, as I've, as I've named it, and yeah, didn't just just didn't happen. He was going to be the man that finally exploited the catchment area, and um, and just 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 to point it out is Pellegrino, not Pellegrini. He's oh the, yeah, sorry. Yeah, he's yeah, the old, he's the old <laughs> Padre called him. He is all the water. Isn't there a water called Pellegrini? Was that the season we lost out on um, Marco Silva as well? Not that we were. I think Parish denied that you know we were ever really interested. in Yeah, him. but is that the? Quite early on, he went to Watford. Boo him. That's right. There was some thing. His, his agent didn't. His agent claimed that we were in for him and took too long or something like that. And he went to Watford. But there we go. Um, yeah. Where is he? Where now? is he now? Exactly. What's he done since? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look. So as I said, the transfer business took a while. Actually, before before I move on, the I mentioned the fact that you can kind of understand why Steve Parrish would might get sort of taken in as we all were by the by the reputation and the promises made um and there's nothing quite like um the, the, nothing better in terms of visualizing that than the palace minute that, um, <laughs> that was put out about it so if you haven't seen it go into youtube type in a palace minute and, and find the relevant episode it's absolutely glorious three four three <laughs> <laughs> Players interchanging. Joel Wood at striker. <laughs> Love those uh, the Absolutely. The thing. The thing is. The thing is. De Boer is quite. You know. He's say what you will about his managerial ability. He's still quite an intimidating man. So I do wonder if he just told Steve Parrish that he was going to have the job, and and Parrish just had to like, <laughs> oh, okay, because he is quite intimidating yeah. and a bit 
he's a bit hard. Yeah, and does doesn't lack a bit of self belief either, does he? Um, can can then he then he turned up in chinos? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was just going to say. Can you be hard wearing grey chinos? <laughs> oh, I bet you can. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. So let's talk a little bit about the transfers in. So three permanent transfers in the uh, summer transfer window. Gyro Riedewald. Let's have a little chat about Gyro. Joined us for £8 million. I know you were uh, um, very excited by that, Terence. And I don't know if you still maintain that um, it's a cracking signing and he's going to eventually come good. Well, you'd know what it turns out the best thing about Jairo Riedewald was the whole saga of him becoming a player where there was the leaked pictures on Twitter and it was someone taking a picture of someone, the camera that had taken the pictures of Jairo holding a shirt up. And then there was loads of discussions about whether it was real or fake. And it just really built up to being this like, you know, it finally came through. Everyone was really excited. You know, we've signed this amazing ball playing centre back from... Um, Ajax and he was going to spearhead Frank de Boer's um, football revolution in South London. <laughs> um, hasn't quite panned out. Why do you think that is, Albert? Why is why is Gyro not settled and, and become the player we thought we'd signed? Fat in it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's covered that in uh, all the detail we need to. Um, very excited to talk about the next signing. Uh, Dion Curtis Henry from Peterborough United for free. Still at the club, of course, Dion Curtis Henry. Um, but frankly, no Chris Ketting, so I'm not going to... Um, I, I believe you pronounce it Henri. <laughs> well, you can do. You might. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'll let you carry on pronouncing it that. But um, yeah, well, you know, just a, just another keeper body in the club. So um, let's not get... Is that a real person? Because I've never heard of It's on the base. I've got to say, a couple of the previous episodes of, of the you know these these sort of retrospectives, there's been some names, <laughs> and I'm I'm sitting there scratching my head. Yeah, yeah. I know. There's um, yeah, there's there's some particularly when you go back to the initial promotion season, there's some fantastic signings in there that we'd we'd all long forgotten about. No, um, Albert Henry was on the uh, bench last season. You know, ho- hoovering up those bonus checks, even though he doesn't play. But um, you suck. <laughs> no, I'm just not doing it. I'm not not joining in with that. Um, Mama Sacco was, of course, signed uh, on deadline day, I believe, or the day before, um, for 26 million quid after such a successful loan to Palace the season before. Um, I think you know Steve Parrish has mentioned that that all the fans were absolutely clamouring for us, clamouring for us to sign Sacco, and then the moment we signed him, he got, got kind of criticised for spending all our money on a centre back. Um, but for me, he's just been an incredible player for us. Um, dis- disappointingly injured um, with a reasonable amount of regularity, but the, the partnership he's formed with James Tompkins, you know, again, are there many better players, Albert, you can think of? In terms of centre backs at Palace, he's been great, hasn't he? Uh, certainly, our standout centre half of the Premier League era, but you know, by a, a country mile. Just um, you know, and we, we like a character at Palace. Um, it's probably why we're so popular. Uh, you know, and he, uh, what are you laughing at? Um, Something else. And he's really, you know, he's really thrown himself in. You know, he's he's all over the socials if you're into that sort of thing. And you know, he doesn't he, he doesn't seem like someone that just you know saw an opportunity to come back to the Premier League, make a load of money and and just take it and go through the motions. You know, he he does feel like a, a real part of the club. T-Bone? 
Yeah, and anyone who um, weighs on loan still as a Liverpool player and starts high-fiving our goal scorer as he did at Anfield. Um, <laughs> fantastic stuff. But no, he's, um, he's an excellent player. He comes... I think he's underrated a lot by Palace fans because um, of his passing sometimes goes astray. But, you know, no one ever seems to mention the amount of times he passes the ball in between the lines of... Um, the opposition midfield and defence from the back. He he really causes a lot of problems and really gets us moving forward. And he's just a warrior when it comes to defending, you know, putting his body on the line and all the time. And um yeah, I can't I can't love him. I think he's um criminally underrated by pretty much everyone in the Premier League. I definitely agree with that. Um there were so many times where he just seems to get that that little touch in at the critical moment where you think that, you know, all hope is lost, suddenly he manages to hook a foot round. He obviously he has those Sacco moments, but they usually come from the fact that he is pretty confident on the ball and has something of an unorthodox sort of style about him. But as you say, in terms of passing and just general football ability, you know, for me, we've we've never had a better centre back and it is a privilege watching him play for Palace. It really is. Um well- I still maintain that up until they signed Van Dijk, he was better than any any centre half that Liverpool still had. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. When we bought him, it, it yeah, it was bizarre, absolutely bizarre. I mean, in a sort of different scale of things, it was a little bit like when Tompkins came to us from West Ham. They didn't really have anything better left at, at West Ham either. Um, mm. But yeah, well, you know, he obviously fell out with with Klopp, some issues over training and whatever, and we're the ones who benefited, fortunately. So we must uh, touch on the the ins in January. I'll go I'll go to the loans in a bit because obviously there were some loans in the uh, the initial window as well. But I think we we need to talk about the January signings under Hodgson. January was a terrible window for us. I think it's fair to say we signed <laughs> Diego Cavallari, who obviously never played, um, but was a was a backup goalkeeper. We signed Alexander Serlot, who at the time of recording remains a Palace player um, and has not really impressed anybody. And the fee rumoured seems to be ludicrously high for, for the ability of the player. Um, I, I, any, anyone want to jump in and talk about Serlot in any different way than that? Uh, he's scored an international goal since he's been with us. <laughs> there you go. On FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, one obviously recommended uh, by a, a scout friend of Roy's, by all accounts, and yeah, hasn't a blind scout <laughs> friend of Roy's hasn't panned out though, has it? But we also signed Yaroslav Yak, and that was one of uh, Dougie's mates. I can't remember his name now; it's gone out of my head. But um, uh, and he talked about it as his his off the radar signing, uh, a player that was guaranteed to in the future be playing in the Premier League. Um, on, on FIFA. FIFA. Not not really panned out that. Um, so delving into the loans, I'm going to kind of work backwards this because obviously we also signed Erdal Rakip. Remember him, Bert? God, do I. <laughs> Majestic. <laughs> what was that about? Ma- 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 mainly off the ball <laughs> rather than on the ball, but really off yeah, the it, ball. It was, that was the, the, the most pitch, ridiculous almost. thing that ever happened. We signed a player on loan who hadn't played for his previous club, who then came and just did not play for us before going back to the club that he didn't play for and then signed for someone else. Yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, you can't, I cannot get my head around it at all. Obviously the idea was we were taking a look at him, but 
I mean, you could do that without signing them, can't you? I don't know, but um, it's very, very <laughs> odd. And yeah, didn't didn't exactly pull up any trees, but b- bizarre, bizarre signing. And there was, obviously, I think he might have done, but we we, we didn't see. He might have done. He might yeah, have true. actually put well, trees up have, in a field somewhere. His time we wouldn't have known. So, um, but I think probably the the worst thing about that was because of the lack of um, bodies coming in in that window um, and various things falling through. Rakip and Yak were kind of paraded as our as our big signings. They got the full video treatment and interviews and all that kind of stuff, and it became even more bewildering for the fans when you, they they never really troubled the first team at all. And um, I think ever since then the club have been trying to sort of push them up mm-hmm. the carpet, so to speak. But obviously the the Yaroslav Yak did lead to one of the greatest um, Twitter moments in Crystal Palace history. Um, after the uh, CPFC Polish account had um, got really upset with people, someone tweeting something about the polls in in the Arthur Wait Need to Go, and he like just didn't realise that they were talking about the um, the big stanchions or what 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 they what they called um, just supports beams, beams, yeah, (laughs) and then um, the The uprights, and then when the when the club. <laughs> announced him on Twitter. One of the tweets they did was um, you know, a poll, a poll by a poll <laughs> in the upper weight. Very good. Pillars. Bring back Sam George. It's pillars, isn't it? Pillars. That's what. That's the word I was looking for. And stanchions of goal. It's the top yeah. corner of the goal. Yeah. It's what Chris Armstrong and Darren Pitcher hit. Absolutely right. Anyway, also loans in back in the, the start of the summer. We brought in uh, Timothy Fosu Mensa, who again promised a lot. Uh, Dutch connection at the time because De Boer was obviously the manager when we signed him. Um, Man United had used him a little bit. Um, sort of came with a bit of pedigree, Terence, but it was a strange one. I don't really know. I don't. Was he? Was it that he just wasn't quite as good as his reputation? Kind of uh, reputation that came with him, or or what? I don't know, he did have one fantastic game at Sellers Park against Man City. Um, but outside of that, he was very rapid. He seems to have, have all the attributes to be a very, very good modern-day fullback. But for whatever reason, um, it just didn't work. I, d- I don't know if it was a case of, you know, by the time Roy Hodgson came in, we were in such dire straits that it ended up being a bit more of a go-for-experience heads and people were a bit more organised defensively to sort of get us back on the straight and narrow. And um before we could sort of push forward and become a little bit more expansive. And then, of course, um, a certain Aaron Wambasaka hit the scene and that pretty much was the end for him. Yeah, definitely. But I'd say definitely a disappointing signing overall, which was, which was a surprise. Like you say, definitely had all the attributes. I've used the word definitely too much there. I'm going to gloss over it by asking Albert about Ruben Loftus-Cheek. By the time he finished with Palace, massive reputation, obviously went to the World Cup. For me, a little bit of a slow start um, before he came good, though. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and and not that anybody's gonna go back and dig me out for it. I'm not gonna try and rewrite history. I was very, very scathing of Ruben Loftus Cheek for his what you might call his sort of first half of his spell at us before he got injured and went back to Chelsea. Um, mainly based on the shenanigans at Bristol away in the cup, um, which we were all at, weren't we? Briefly. I mean, we won't. Do you want, we don't want to do a yeah. deep dive into that. It was awful. But I thought. I mean. I mean. Listen. He wasn't the only player that night that really didn't cover themselves in any form of glory. Um, and I felt that kind of carried on in the league a little bit. Um, not that we were in great form, but he kind of he kind of stood out as 
kind of just sort of, for want of a better term, just, you know, mincing around the middle of the pitch and not really getting stuck in or looking like he gave two hoots. However, the flip side of that is when he came back after his sort of injury at Chelsea and, you know, the last, what, did he play like the last 10, mm. 11 games or something? You know, he, he was fantastic. And, you know, as, as, as bad as the first half was, the the ending was was way better. You know, like you say it ended up in o- o- October twenty eighth. Like um, Albert on Twitter said Tuesday, Loftus Cheek walks around Ashton Gate for ninety minutes. Saturday, walks back into the starting eleven. Sounds sounds like you was um, delighted with him, mate. <laughs> when I said no one was going to go back and re, I mean, I'm glad you have because it's only backed up my point. Because, like I say, I was, I'm not going to sit here and try and, re- and rewrite history. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was terrible. I, I, I couldn't really, Mar- really March, see the fact. March 12th, 2018, um, just after his injury. <laughs> it worries me how hyped the wider Palace fan base is getting over the return of Loftus Cheek. Who <laughs> <laughs> are you getting this? In Cambridge Analytica, in here. I can't believe you've done that. That is that is brilliant. Um, but yeah, like you say, Albert, it's not rewrite history. You know, you've you've admitted how you felt, and that, um, that by the end you were impressed, right? So, well, one, um, one more. I it's don't know, all, it's all very pretty, and don't get me wrong. Any extra available bodies in our current state is a plus. But the way he's being hyped, you'd think he was Ronaldinho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fair yeah, comment. Completely I'll reasonable. Say. And I can't find any comments after that. You seem to have dropped off a cliff where Ruben Loftus-Cheek is concerned. Can I just ask you what your handle is on Twitter, Terence? Just, just, uh... <laughs> um, so what, what changed, though, Terence? What do you think changed uh, from Albert's obviously fair assessment of Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Um, it was a big change in position, really, wasn't it? Because we had no striker and Townsend and Zaha move further up the field. And um, he sort of played in that narrow wide left position. And he just struck up such a great understanding with um, Patrick van Arnholt and whoever it was, Townsend or Zaha, switching over to his side. Um, it just gave him space. And every time he he turned and got into between the defence and midfield, he was just, he looked like a Rolls Royce struggle with him forward. He was just majestic and he had really good vision, passing strength, carrying the ball really well. And um yeah, he just turned it on and sort of all came to a four with the that amazing Zaha goal against Leicester. Yeah, definitely. And um, he, yeah, he weighed in with a few goals himself as well, and obviously has, has gone on to start to establish himself um, back at Chelsea. A lot of people were hoping that we would try and revisit that one, but I think that ship has sailed at least yeah. for the time being. Oh, into double figures for Chelsea in the eighteen nineteen season, so not bad going at all. Absolutely. Um, so we'll just run quickly through the outs. Um, I won't dwell on some of the more confusing names for for Albert's sake, but uh, we let Corey Andrews go. Um, obviously, you remember that one, Albert. Uh, he's a young striker. Um, yeah, didn't quite make the grade, unfortunately. But um, we um, uh, let Kwesi Apaya go, uh, joined AFC Wimbledon. Um, we let Jonathan Benteke go. We won't give him any more airtime than a considerable amount of airtime he got in the last show due to Mike's obsession with him. Um, <laughs> Fraser Campbell, uh, we let go and he ended up joining Hull. Luke Kroll, we let him go to Exeter City. Uh, Matthew Flemini, we released. Zeki Fryers went to Barnsley. Ah, gutted. Um, another, another one that Jesus. you'll remember well, Albert, was Ryan King Elliott. Um, we, we just we let him go on a free, unfortunately. <laughs> no need to swear. Joe Ledley was uh, released after a really good spell at the club. 
Um, it's incredibly important when we signed him and for a few seasons afterwards in the McJedley trio. Um, did brilliantly work, brilliantly there. Randall Williams, we've also given airtime to, so I won't talk about him too much. Alex Winter's brother, Ben Winter, was uh, released and went to Bromley. Did pretty well to sell Steve Mondonda back to Marseille to make a profit. That was a pretty good deal. Steve. Um, Steve. Good time to touch on the Steve Mondonda there. Talking about wasting money on Paris paraphernalia. Um, after, after his debut uh, um Sellers Park the previous season, um, some guy who was in the victory managed to get his gloves off of him at full time. So he came into the pub with him, parading about, signed, you know, look, I've got his match-worn gloves. And me and my friend Nick made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And uh, we was like, you know, finally got a number one to replace Julian Sproni. He's going to go down as a cult hero for Palace, an absolute <laughs> legend, and this will be worth something in the future. Have you considered... have you considered not immediately hero worshipping and just waiting it out because one well obviously one thing you you are wasting money and the second thing is you might directly be causing this um so you could perhaps hold off in the future and see how it goes Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got. Didn't weren't you the first person to get Wickham on the back of the Palace? He he inherited my knees immediately. It would seem. There is a definite connection yeah, well, here. There we go. Um, I think you need to delve into your Twitter account and find out who else you've hero worshipped and has failed. Wow. Um, so another another one for you, Albert. We dis- we uh, we let Callum Sturgis go to Colchester United. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I obviously, it well. I remember it well. Yeah, I was hoping you would mention it. To be honest, you had high hopes for him, but um, yeah, off he went to Colchester. Oh. Unfortunately, uh, Hiram Boateng went to Exeter. Um, Clayton Petruno, Petruno, <laughs> can't pronounce it right. But uh, you'll remember it. him, Terence, because he ended up getting released to, to, because he was taking up a place in the squad, wasn't he? Do you remember that? Sorry, Terence. Sorry. <laughs> Terence is livid. Terence is livid. No, he's, so, he's sorry, I was I was googling Callum Sturgis to see if I'd saw him play at Colchester last season because I went to one of their games for a stag dude. Turns out, no, he's at Needham Market now. No. There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> what this time? What play? What player was you talking about? <laughs> Clayton Pertrue. All right. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that a spell in Harry Potter? Anyway, he did get released um, to free listeners. up place in the squad for us to, um, I don't know, to sign someone. I forget. Yeah, who. wasn't he a keeper or something? Yeah, he was. A, he was a keeper or something. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. We let him go. That's impressive. <laughs> oh dear, dear, oh dear. Right, I've got. Yeah, let's got. Got to move on. There are more that we released, but let's let's not talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about um, getting let's get into the preseason um, part of of Frank de Boer's era. We've kind of touched on it already. So we played in the Asia Cup in this um, in this season, and you know, very very memorable. There was of course um, a couple of games. So we played against Liverpool, and we played against West Brom. Uh, lost two 0 to Liverpool. Beat West Brom two 0 and a certain Aaron Wan-Pasaka came on in both of those games. Two, two, two games, one Asia Cup. <laughs> All right. I mean, you got nothing from Albert on that, and I gave you a sympathy giggle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never seen it. 
Um, we then followed um, our, our period of in the uh, Asia Trophy, which we, we didn't win, um, with a friendly against Mets and a home friendly against Schalke. Yeah, Mets was a Mets was a good old um, day. Very sunny, lovely place. Um, uh, a Mets fan wearing a West Ham shirt threatened to stab me. That was that was fun, <laughs> and um, I was with my wife. You know, just, just still threatening to stab me, and. Um, and then we got pepper sprayed in the away end. Fantastic day out. Wow. Um, had you done anything to deserve Absolutely either? not. They, we couldn't even drink uh, going into the stadium. Uh, so it was, they were serving, um, they had two litre bottles of Coke, of which they had four or five, I think it was, for the entire away end. And they were charging three euros per little plastic cup where they just pour you some out. There was no water. Um, it was thirty pl- plus degrees outside, and they confiscated everyone's sunblock. <laughs> it was, it was. Um, I was like, I, I do need it, and then I was like, like this is what it's going it. to be like if we make it into Europe. We're just, you know, maybe we're better off out of it. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Brexit means no Brexit. politics. No politics, right? Um, I was talking about the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot to take in, though. I, the whole. Uh, warm bottles of coke poured into plastic cups kind of thing reminds me of a school fate or something <laughs> that's just quite odd mm. uh, but anyway so we <laughs> not not too much pepper spray, pepper spray even in Crawley yeah, <laughs> uh, school fates although we wouldn't have gone and missed it, some of the ones I was at um, so we went into the season obviously on a high after that wonderful pre-season um, and we started the campaign against a promoted side who had done an incredible job to get promoted with the squad that they had um, obviously, it was Huddersfield Town, and they had strengthened to some degree, but realistically, um, they looked set for a season of struggle. Um, at which point, they spanked us three 0 And Albert, you really wanted to talk about this game, didn't you? No, I didn't. I've, I've spoken about it too much uh, in various points in history. It was just all. I mean, it was awful. I'm not one of these people that expects us to uh, opening game newly promoted team this is going to be easy like it wasn't if we'd have lost 3-2 or lost 1-0 in a tightly fought game you think oh do you know what fair enough yeah. but we were dog shit and it was awful um and i mean we, we know how it ends <laughs> three, i wanted to later, i wanted to give you the comments from frank de Burr afterwards um, and then now uh, we can talk a little bit more um frank de Burr said this if you analyze the game it's it is quite simple we started well, but after 10 minutes, the game changed. I think he's talking about conceding. Um, we were close to making it 2-1. And if we did, I had a feeling we would get a point. You cannot go from suddenly 1-10. to 10. You have to do it step by step. We showed some good football, but the game does not last 75 minutes. You have to concentrate for 95 minutes. Huddersfield did a fantastic job and compliments to them. They played how they always do, but if you lose 3-0, they deserve it. What I love about that is... They played yeah. how they always do, i.e. we knew what they were going to do. I knew what they were going to do. They were known in the championship for just harassing and pressing and, you know, playing really high. Frank de Boer's gone on paper saying, yeah, we knew they were going to do that, but we didn't do anything about it. Oh, yeah, I've got, um, I could dig out proof because I definitely, this definitely happened. But I, at the time I said it was the worst opening game for us possible to start against it was a newly promoted team who were hungry who pressed high up the pitch and David Wagner already said that he was going to t- continue to play in the style that, that got them promoted so it was like oh, we're going to have a 
back three um, playing for the first time together uh, with no ball playing goalkeeper behind them trying to pass the ball around. And I think it's just going to end in disaster. And um, alas, it did. And let's have a little talk about that starting lineup. Well, the back three was Fossu, Mensa, Dan, and Riedeveld, wasn't mm. it? Um, wasn't it? With Joel Ward as right <laughs> wing back and Patrick von Arnholt as left wing back. I was saying it and it happened, but I'm not, you know, and Wayne Hennessy behind. It seems incredible now to think about it. And do you remember the half time change he made? Do you remember who he took off at half time? Was it Luca? It was Luca. You're absolutely right, Albert. He, his reproach to that appalling appalling effort was to take Luka Milivojevic off at halftime and pop Andros Townsend on. No problem with putting Andros Townsend on, but, you know... The warning signs were there, weren't they? Because he played Luka at centre-half in the Asia, yeah. in the Asia Cup or one, or it was, yeah, one yeah. of the friendlies. And it's a, hang on a minute, what's going on there? Well, it, 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 he started Joe Ward in that game, having not played him all pre-season as well. And, um, and there'd already been rumours circulating that he'd been telling Joel Ward how to play right back and demonstrating himself very heavily and like kicking him to the sidelines of the field and saying, this is how you do it and playing the next 10 minutes of the training match. Yeah. And um, I think it was Ward and Kelly at the very least were players that were later made to train with the U team mm. by DeBoer as well to kind of oh, st- try really? and stamp his authority. Yeah, he oh, really, that was his, 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 yeah, his idea was to try and break people by, by doing that. It was it was a very very odd time. So uh, obviously lost terribly in that game, um, but didn't really learn much from it. But I do have to say the following game we played Liverpool, uh, lost one nil to a um, Sadio Mane, uh, yeah Sadio Mane goal. And I actually don't again, Terence, you've got a pretty good memory of these games usually as well. I don't think we actually played too badly in that no. game. We kept ourselves in it, and um, yeah, we obviously we seemed to be more comfortable even then playing away from home than at Sellers Park. So I think I think we did okay. Yeah, it, it should have been probably nil nil. We couldn't we could have even nicked it one nil, but then it was just a bit of a defensive mistake at the end. Um the Christian Benteke missed a sitter um from close range, getting it cut back and lifting it over the bar. And he was I mean Benteke also was extremely unlucky in the Huddersfield game with um Lursall making a brilliant save from a point blank range header from him and it kind of set the tone for his season really in front of goal uh, or or not in front of goal as it was. Indeed. And um, the reaction to the previous game was De Boer actually took Riedervald completely out, um, wasn't even on the bench and uh, brought James Tompkins back in but stuck with a back three and stuck with the same keeper as well. Um, and again, Luca was taken off for Kai Kai seventy seven minutes in that game, um, and yeah, I just it, it was despite the performance, it was still the kind of decisions that were being made. You kind of wondering why they were, what you know, particularly what his issue was with Luca. And I remember Luca had a, an interview, didn't he, on Palace TV, where he was asked what he thought about playing as a centre back, and he wasn't too complimentary about it. And I do wonder if De Boer was aware of that and and reacted accordingly. I mean, I, you can see where it comes from, where the ball was coming from. If he wanted, to, if he wanted to play in that sense, he's got a guy who can play defensive midfield, can stroll out into midfield from the back three, and sort of make up a f- five in the middle or however many numbers he wanted to be. So I can see weirdly where he was coming from with it, but you could just see that, that Luca was just not comfortable doing it in the slightest. 
No, definitely not. And we um we so we followed up with a with a home game against Swansea. So we'd seen potentially some positive signs against Liverpool. Um, but it just went backwards straight away. Um what to say about this? Tammy Abraham scored just before half time and just after half time, a certain Jordan Ayu um finished well. Uh, a, a reasonable move pretty well. And we just didn't threaten. So, you know, we, we, it was three now three defeats, three games without scoring and not really looking like scoring um, for, for the majority of most of the matches. And I think what was probably the most telling part of this game was not only was it a pretty poor Swansea side uh, under, was it Clement? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. 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 Um, that, you know, they were sort of trying to find their feet as well. We, we gave them a really, really easy game. But I think probably the most distressing part of it all was that De Boer already rounded on the players straight away after the game. Um, said that they lacked guts, lacked balls, whatever it was. Um, and and if, if a ban- manager's starting to blame the players three games into a season when he's tried to introduce a new system and has been pretty inflexible about backing down from it to try and make the team more comfortable and put some points on the board, I mean, that's when the alarms really started going off. And I imagine that's when the alarms really started going off for the um, for the owners as well. Mm. But uh, yeah, certainly a disappointing one. Um, and the final game of Frank de Boer's reign was Burnley. Lost 1-0, um, created a whole host of opportunities, although only four shots on target out of 23. <coughs> and there were 23 off. Um, but the big difference, Terence, was that we went to a back four and played. It just looked very, very different. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's, it was an incredible game, really. And um, uh, I have no idea how uh, Frank the Boer said it after the game. I have no idea how we don't have a point. No, not a point, three points. Because he was right. We, we dominated the game. And um, it's, it all culminated in Scott Dan missing an absolute sitter just before the end of the game. And... It, him missing probably done Steve Parrish a favour in that sense. He says he would have probably got rid of him any, anyway, but, you know, a rousing last-minute equaliser, first goal of the season might have made it a little bit tougher for Parrish, but in the end, he, he pulled the trigger. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chung Yong Lee put in the final nail in Frank de Boer's coffin. <laughs> oh yeah, glaring error, right? To, to give Chris Wood the opportunity to score in the third minute. But. And um, brought about the greatest attempted save in the history of goalkeeping with Hennessy outside of his area trying to save it with a diving header. <laughs> yeah, yep. Oh, dear. <laughs> Lovely memories, eh? <laughs> well, after that game, the brain was absolutely bucketing it down and it was the most miserable thing ever. We was waiting for a taxi and it was just, it was 
one of the, one of the lowest points of well, absolutely the lowest point of that season, but one of the lowest points of our since our return to the Premier League, really. Well, it was incredible, an incredibly quick sacking. Um, and did you expect it, Terence? Did you did you think that he would go that early on? Um, I didn't. I've early on. I was saying, you know, we've we've made our bed to an extent. We've got to lie in it a bit, and. I think there were signs in the Burnley game that, you know, he'd moved to four at the back, moved into our more traditional 4-3-3 sort of formation. And it definitely felt like we were, things were starting to actually unfold and some of these lessons might be kicking through. And in that game, I remember rightly, Joel Ward was excellent. So it's all very well that Frank De Boer sent him down to the youth team to train to try and um, get something out of him. But it might it probably works because he was excellent in that game but then also behind the scenes i don't know if the players already knew that he was going in that game because it's one or the other either frank de boer was starting to get through to them or steve Parrish had already sort of through the grapevine somehow let them know that he was going and that's why they turned up that's a it's an interesting point i mean i said at the time and i i, I still feel this way now that it can't just have been results for him to go that quickly it must have been more to it. There must have been must have been player reaction around the place. There must have been players who had gone to the to the higher ups and said, "Look, this is horrific. This is not working." Yeah. Uh, and certainly, more than one player complaining about it. Yeah. Well, he said when he sacked him, he said he it wasn't the right fit, and I realised that very quickly, and I have to take responsibility for that, and that's why he sacked him quickly. And in if anything, it took it took a lot of balls from Parish to do that because. You know, it made at the end of the day, it reflected really badly on him because it took him so long to find the manager, and it seemed like going through a six-week sort of session to find the manager, he then got it so catastrophically wrong. Um, Says, did you do the due diligence? Are you doing your job properly? And all of that, that alliance with him to actually put his hands up and say, you know what, this is my fault. Um, Hats off to him. Yeah, definitely. And it was absolutely the right call to make, um, in my view, no matter what we saw in terms of, of, of the, the slight improvements in performance and, and the willingness to change to a, to a back four. Um, I, I, you know, I never find myself wondering what if, I'll be honest. Um, so it was only it was the very next day, Albert, that we reported, we reported Roy Hodgson. I don't know if Terence is going to dig out any of your tweets, but how did you feel about that? Uh, I, I remember being, obviously, it's not... Um... It's not a name that makes you kind of jump for joy and think, you know, this is a real coup. But I remember, I remember being at work and all the sort of, you know, all the what, what, what do you want to call it, glory hunting Chelsea top four sort of supporters are all like, oh, you know, you got Roy Hodgson, he's a main dinosaur. And I remember saying, well, you know, a, a club in our position, you look at what he did at Fulham and, and West Brom, you know, forget the Liverpool thing. I mean, that was terrible all round for everybody. You know, for a club of our size in that position a very sensible, decent appointment. And yeah, okay, we might not rock out the league and finish in the top 10, but, you know, it's an experienced head. Um, managed at many a level in many a country, many a continent. And you sort of thought, well, you know, it might not, it might it might take a little while, but he's going to come in and reorganise us. And, you know, and that's what he did. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm, you know, I wasn't over enamoured by it, but I certainly didn't think it was a bad appointment. I thought it was very sensible. Your tweet on the scenario was Roy Hodgson and JJ Abrahams. What a day for an- uh, announcing appointments. 
Oh, well, there you go. That was the day that we announced that, uh, that that JJ was coming back to Star Wars. There you go. Yeah, JJ, your first name terms, obviously. So, uh, yeah. 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 J- J- yeah. Well, he's got two. JJ, Tom Cruise, and Albert walk into a bar is a common joke in the movie world. <laughs> it's not a joke, man. <laughs> yeah, not a joke. Happened. Um, <laughs> so, um, Moving off, I don't know, Terence, have you you've got any thoughts on, on the appointment of Roy and, and whether it surprised you? Uh, obviously, we will, spoiler alert, it does turn around. Yeah. Um, uh, immediately whacked a load of money on us to stay up. Um, it was the right appointment. It probably should have been the appointment in the summer. Although, arguably, if he would have been appointed in the summer, uh, Steve Parrish would have taken pelters for not being ambitious enough. But um, he came in and he was obviously going to do a good job. He was obviously going to settle us down. It was... It was Alan Apardu appointment when he came in or the Allardyce appointment when he came in or the Pulis appointment when he came in. It was just uh, the staunch old English stalwart who, is, who knows the game and he's just not going to get relegated under him. Definitely. I, I can't honestly remember what, whether I said anything publicly or not, um, but I, I had reservations. Terence will tell you if you yeah, do. I'm sure you'll let me know in a bit. But I'll, um, I, you know, I, I had reservations, at least privately, if not publicly, because... It, sometimes it's hard not to to listen to all the all the crap in the media, and obviously the whole England job situation, and and a lot of how he reacted um, in the press to to being challenged, and, it, and you know he does he does get prickly if if um, if anyone in the press kind of challenges the decisions that he no, makes. Let's not, let's not take I didn't miss really it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, um, which is a fantastic video. But you know, look, that, that's him. That's who he is, and it's, it's good to have that that self belief. But um, you, you certainly, he was ridiculed as England manager, and that sticks, unfortunately. And you do find yourself kind of believing that that stuff, even though you know how these things work, and you know, particularly with England managers, it it, it often comes from an agenda. Um, and you know, the kind of blame culture that I, I find pretty abhorrent. But I, I was affected by that. Um, but at the same time, you know, there was the, the local connection. He's a, he's a Croydon boy, you know, was at Palace as a youth player. And as, as we've talked about, an incredible career in football, even up until that point, you know, he's, and he's still going strong at the time of recording. He is, you know, in terms of experience and knowledge of how, and how to organise a team, as you said, Terence, exactly the, the right appointment. Um, particularly for the situation we're in, but didn't you know? Didn't go swimmingly at first. His first game, we lost one nil to Southampton, and we kind of knew that that was our biggest opportunity to get points um, out of the of the next, his first three games. In fact, we would have said first four games, um, but you know, one nil defeat to Southampton, and a thrashing five uh, nil at Man City, and a, and another thrashing four nil against Manchester United, and we'd gone seven games, no goals, no points, and it looked incredibly bleak for us. Um, you know the football world was was very much looking down on Palace, um, and it and it was a tough time. But things turned around on the fourteenth of October when Palace were at Sellers Park played Chelsea. Early own goal from Aspilicueta, um, equaliser from Chelsea shortly afterwards from Bakayoko before Zaha with a lovely left footed finish. Left footed. Left footed. What what game yeah, are you watching? Palace. Left footed. Did, did he, cut, he go down the left in, side and drill it? Cut in, cut in, you're right, in. cut in. It sammed it out. I didn't, I didn't, he cut in, it was a right-footed <laughs> finish. That's what I said. So Zaha went with <laughs> edit point. And, uh, <laughs> no, look, warts and all, keep it in there. I don't care, I don't care. You know, I'm using my, my memory here. I haven't I haven't watched the videos. 
Well, we're, well, we're, well, we've started to, to point out we haven't touched on it yet, but it was Huddersfield obviously kicked lumps out of him in the first game and he was out up until this point. Um, and sort of injuries became a theme of the season, really, as it as it went on. And, um, you know, and it's another thing for uh, on the field in that sense for De Boer. He certainly didn't have his, you know, his absolute best player playing. So um, that can be harsh. No, and I would have, I would have looked forward to Zaha starting <laughs> centre-back. Um, <laughs> no, it, no. To be fair, you're making a very good point. We, you know, Wilf was injured against Huddersfield, and, and you know we know how important he was. And it wouldn't, you know, any manager struggles when we haven't got Zaha playing, particularly at, at full pelt. Um, so that's that's a very good point. But like I say, I still don't think what if. Um, well, it was only the um, the first time in the eighteen nineteen season when we managed to win without Zaha in the Premier League since we returned, uh, or since he returned to the club. So it certainly was difficult for us to win without him. Definitely. Um, so yeah, brilliant win against Chelsea, and that kind of put smiles on faces and um, gave a little bit of a sense of optimism. But of course, it's still, it was still only one game, and it was still only three points, and we're still bottom of the league. But um, and then followed it up with a defeat against Newcastle. Um, yeah, very late goal. I don't I quite. I, my memory is it even came off of his shoulder. I think he Marino. sort of headed it into the back of someone, and then it or, or, or Kelly oh, backheaded it or something yeah, yeah. into him. It wasn't. He certainly didn't mean it, and it just sort of looped up. It's kind of one of those moments. That, you know, this this is just our luck. Um, but again, uh, a spirited performance against West Ham followed that with, with a 2-2 draw. Um, Considering it's us three on, I don't think we can gloss over the 4-1 defeat of Bristol City in the League Cup. No, all right. Well, I've skipped the cup. I'm just going through league games. But I was hoping not to bring that up. But yeah, OK. So we we don't like travelling to Bristol City, do we really? The, was it two seasons before yeah. we'd had a nightmare mm. as well? Um well, no, it was even it was the season before. Well, that was the, the, the infamous season. podcast. Um, when um, podcast, podcast yeah, yeah, quite quality podcast. listening there, award winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but this. So, I'm, so was this? Was this the? I mean, this is going to be an in, an in joke. Was this the tram yeah, incident? It, no, this was, was the, the tram incident. Uh, this this was. Um, yeah. Chris Hambling driving the wrong way down the tram tracks in East Croydon. <laughs> I did it for you, for you and Tom Fancit to get you your last possible train. Uh, that was all for but you. Talking about getting prickly, um, Roy Hodgson really went off at the players at the end of this game. If you remember him saying, you know, even if you're the second 11 or the people on the fringes, you've got to prove to me that you want to get in this team. And no, no one's covered himself in glory that night. And it was just, it was an all around shit yeah. show in that sense because um, recently returned from injury, Pat Soiree went and threw his shirt in the crowd and he got thrown back at him. And talk about talk about the wrong player to pick on. Yeah, absolutely right. It was um, yeah, ter- terrible moment that I can remember the aftermath standing outside Ashton yeah. Gate and all sorts. Yeah, but um, yeah, you, you're right. You're right. We shouldn't have lost over that. But that was a, that was a, a low moment, but it was good. To see the kind of fire in his belly that Roy Hodgson had, Roy Hodgson had at that point, and he was absolutely right. And obviously, that put pressure on those fringe players to try and, you know, get get themselves back in his good books. 
Um, so as I mentioned, we did had a two-two draw against West Ham and a defeat to Tottenham and another two-two uh, against Everton. So, you know, obviously not putting wins on the board other than against Chelsea, but the you know that we were put at least putting points on the board. And our next win came against Stoke City, uh, Loftus Cheek with his first goal for Palace. Um, and a very, very late winner from Sacco as well. Memories of that one, Terence, you'll have memories. Well, I mean, there's all four of those games really are sort of memories because, you know, you've got um, the last-minute equaliser for Zaha against West Ham, 97 minutes. Uh, first trip to Spurs playing at Wembley. Then you had the um, Omar Nias dive, which he later got a ban for in a 2-2 Everton game. But a Stoke City one. Um, I was actually on honeymoon, uh, watching it on a really, really dodgy stream in the hotel in Mexico. And, um, yep, yeah, ended up Dos, dos Eches beer all, o- all over the bed sheets when Sacco scored in the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a euphemism. Yeah, the whole, the whole, the entire hotel know. heard me, that was for sure. And, um, yeah, it was a... Was yeah. that when Shakiri went on? Shakiri just walks past yeah, everybody. Yeah, he channeled and, Messi yeah. for the uh, for just a yeah. He's hips dead by as he cut <laughs> yeah. through our defence. Yeah. Good, good work. Well done. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> um, three draws followed that, including a nil-nil against a certain South Coast shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think of saying. Sorry, Sam. Um, uh, yeah, nil-nil against West Brom as well before another 2-2. We des- definitely liked a Desmond, didn't we, in this particular season? Um, and that was against Bournemouth, where Jermaine Defoe scoring against us again. Yeah. And, of course, the infamous uh, but- in that game, the Chris Benteke penalty. Was- yeah, of course it was, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, obviously... Yeah. Was, the, was, that the, was that the Defoe goal where he scored from an impotently yeah. lobbed... From an yeah. impossible angle, yeah, yeah. brutal, absolutely brutal. But you're right, Benteke um, really turned <laughs> the well, the players and fans <laughs> against him with that one, didn't they? Insisting on taking a penalty, um, oh, and uh, given how good Luca is at penalties, it's just seems nonsensical now. But we know that there was redemption later on, wasn't there? But um, yeah, it took a while. Um, but two wins in a row after that, beating Watford two one. Um, that was a, that was a good game, wasn't it? I remember that one. Two beautiful late goals, and and the, when I mean we went crazy with the Sacco goal um, to to get the equaliser. But when Macarthur won it, that's the first time I can really remember the players running off into two separate groups because they were going so mad, and just everyone in the crowd. I mean that was that's limbs. That was the very definition. Yeah, of that limbs. run from Zaha to set Macarthur up. It was just used over and over again, isn't it? In gifts and all that sorts of things. Whenever he's talked about that sort of the quintessential Zaha assist. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the dancing feet. They didn't know what to do. And it's all, and it was great. It was against Watford as well. Cause obviously they hate Zaha for They're obsessed with calling him a diver. And I, and I, I, I work with a, um, well, Let's put it. Let's put it the right way. A Watford fan works <laughs> for me, and <laughs> I, have to, I have to put it like that. Um, and he's he's exactly the same. Hates Zaha, and I was like, "Well, when did he dive against you?" And he he's going, "Well, you know, he started in the playoffs, <laughs> didn't it?" And I've 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 got the video out of that, of that foul so many times, and just put my phone on his desk and walked off just so he can watch mm. it again. Well, yeah, well anyway, he peeled off, didn't he? At what point do you go back and get your phone? <laughs> so say that again. 
At, at what point do you then oh, go back you know, and get later. your phone? <laughs> Just later. <laughs> we, Done with that. We followed it up with a um, customary thrashing of Leicester City. I remember travelling to that one. Um, and that, that was a beautiful moment as well. Some two, Well, three very, very good goals, but Sacco's was perhaps the most satisfying in, in mm. injury time. The way he just slapped that ball into the net. Absolutely beautiful strike. And um, yeah, loved his celebration towards the fans. I've, re- the I've rarely well. spotted Christian Benteke goal in that game as well. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um was a header, wasn't it, from a cross? you remember those? <laughs> Crossing the ball to old Christian Benteke and him heading it in, I, he, I, he headed. Didn't he head it down and it, it bounced into the roof of the net? It was the sort of thing where mm. so you know, it certainly came off his shoulder. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's still a goal, wasn't it? It still counts. Um, so yeah, um, we won't we won't dwell on all of these results, of course, but a draw against Swansea after that, and we really obviously we started to put a run. We put a pretty decent run together there. That's. Um, I'm counting them now. I don't know if you can tell. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games unbeaten uh, after the draw against Swansea, which really had turned off all around going into the Christmas period. So the, the draw against Swansea was our last game uh, pre-Christmas. Um, a disappointing and slightly unfortunate in a, in a lot of ways defeat at Sellers Park to Arsenal, 3-2. Um, I think the most frustrating thing with that was, was it was you know Sanchez's goals. Now, am I right in saying one of them was a header? Mm, I can't really remember. I remember one being really good near post finish with a short back lift. Excellent finish. But it was the only, you know, I remember what was yeah. even more frustrating about that game was it was Sanchez had been a non-entity all season and it's three, three days yeah. before the transfer window opens and he comes to life. Yeah, exactly. And Jack Wilshere as well. Like, <laughs> like, I was like the second coming of Christ. Jack Wilshere like, ran the show after not being able to walk yeah. for about five yeah. years. Glorious. Um, but one of the, weirdly, for a nil-nil, one of the most memorable games of the season was uh, was Palace-Man City. Obviously, Man City dispatching all comers. Come to Sellers Park. We'd already lost 5-0 to them earlier in the season. And it was a, a, a rare start for... Jairo Riedeveld played centre, uh, central defensive midfield that day. Um, just a, an excellent performance to get the point. And again, it's not a huge amount of memorable moments for me from that one. But um, it helped that he took up <laughs> most of the midfield. You, yeah. I mean, look, I can't talk about the, the weight of Jairo Riedeveld, but he just likes a baggy shirt. <laughs> What's your problem? But yeah, it was also the, the, the that was a Fosu Mensa game I was referring to earlier where he. Um, he just gave Sane a really, really good game and kept him out of it, who was in great form. And then, of course, um, it all went a little bit mental in the last few minutes. Yeah, what were you saying about Luca being really good from the penalty spot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah it's Harsh, a, that, again, that is, that's obviously a what-if moment. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't feel like it matters now, but at the time, it just would have been the icing on a very, very nice cake. And of course, it was the um, the day, rest in peace, Kevin De Bruyne, that he died at Sellers Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the absolutely oh, yeah, the ridiculous reaction to that. And obviously, Punchin was the one who was actually hurt. It's a bad challenge, mm. you know, but... Um, a terrible, terrible. Yeah, but that was Scott Dunn and uh, punching out for a year after that. Both of them in that game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're right. It cost us, and like you say, injuries were were definitely a factor. Well, well Reader, 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 Reader,
Um, followed out with a couple of wins, uh, 2-1 away at Southampton and uh, a 1-0 win through uh, a Bakary Sacco goal against Burnley at Selhurst Park. Um, any memories of those before I move us swiftly Limbs on? at the Southampton game when uh, Luka Milivojevic put that one away, that lovely curling shot into the bottom corner. Yeah, I was there for that one as well. That was that was Beautiful. nice. And I remember it was one of the one of the games that was incredibly frustrating after long scored. I mean, I don't like him anyway, mm. but I just I I, I just felt like it wasn't going to happen for us that day. And obviously, we we come off the back of such a positive result against Man City, but like you say, missing a penalty and, and the kind of what if, and we really need the points. Mm. Um, but very very satisfying. And yeah, Luca's long range goal there was was beautiful. And again, it's always nice. Say again, goal of the season. Was it goal of the season? Officially, I'm not in your opinion. I think that one. Oh, I think that one goal of the so, season because it was a. It was a, it was a goal of the season. I, I think it's right goal of the season. One more time. I think. I think, you won, yeah, I think it won sure goal of the one, season. Goal of the season. I don't know if anyone's mentioned that. Um, but yeah, we were we were struggling with injuries at this point, so we had a bit of a, a dodgy run. Um, lost four one to Arsenal. Oh. Uh, that was that was quite hard to take that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, that was awful. Just yeah, it was tw- so like 22 minutes. Yeah, they minutes, scored four it? goals in 22 minutes, and it really it was one of the, a moment of wondering what, how you know, what on earth is this score going to be at that point? After half time, obviously tighten things up a little bit, and um, not not that I'm one to use illegal streams, no. But I that was I remember that being a game where trying to find a stream that worked. <laughs> and by the time I'd I'd found one. <laughs> Oh, three nil down. Just, uh, just turned it off yeah. straight away. You no, know, we were off that day. I actually watched. Um, it got to four nil, and then I went back into the concourse and stood there and drank beer for the entire game. After that, I didn't see any more of the game, other than what was on the screen. When I occasionally looked up at it to see what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I say, that hurt. And um, despite a, a couple of one ones, one against West Ham, one against Newcastle, um, we then lost four in a row, um, including well, we had obviously a three one against Everton, where you know Nias scored, constantly linked with us. Um, so of course he scores, and obviously with the dive earlier on in the season already mentioned, kind of made it worse. A very good performance against Spurs, but yet again one nil defeat. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Harry Kane's late header was from a corner, wasn't it? And I think a certain goalkeeper was not really anywhere to be seen. Mm, yeah, sort of soft fingertips over the top of him. Uh, well, it's, I, actually, I, actually, yeah, it's the I actually remember defending him at the time a little bit for it. And looking back, I still do see what I was getting at, that it was it, it looks way worse than it actually was as an error. It was, wasn't as much as an error as it looked like because just everything just sort of went against him in the moment. And it was a very windy day and um, caused him some problems. But Yeah, but it didn't do anything for his Kit Kat fingers <laughs> slash Chris Packet hands reputation, does no, it? It certainly didn't. <laughs> um, and then an absolutely devastating uh, defeat to Manchester United because we were 2-0 up, playing really, really well. Um, and then just, yeah, Smalling sort of gets a... You know, it was this morning. Goal was at the wrong time for us. We'd held on maybe five, ten more minutes. I don't think we got a problem in that game, but um, he got one back on the, in the fifty-fifth minute. Akaku equalised. Then, of course, Matic. Well, yeah, you know, he scores loads of goals, doesn't he? Matic. Yeah, always, always knocking the goals in. Suddenly, 
blast one in from long range in the 91st minute and you know and it would be um a miss not to mention of course though that this was Aaron Wambasaka's debut for the club yep and um yeah, absolutely right. Performed superbly uh, in that game and and ever since. Really, <laughs> didn't get, uh, but it was, Sanchez didn't get a look in because he's uh, he's there by that point for the listeners. He's he's yeah. moved from Arsenal to Man United. <laughs> yeah, no, good good point. Good correct. Well, not correction, just a good point. I'll shut <laughs> up. Um, no, he played. It wasn't his debut though. It was his home debut because he played against Spurs, didn't he? Oh, did he? Spurs was his, his, de- yeah, his debut was against Spurs. That was at home as well, wasn't it? I don't know. Uh, yes, that was at home. You're quite right. Okay, well, I, I tried to try to get you out of it, and I've made it worse. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was against. You know, I, I, it's easy to misremember even this cl- even this close. Really, you know, what we're only only yeah. a year and a half down the line, or a couple of years at the time of recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and obviously, he, did, he he had a real baptism of fire because it was Spurs, Man United, and then Chelsea were his first first few games and the Chelsea was a uh, a defeat as well um, got a late Van Arnholt goal but um, too little too late after um, a w- early Williams strike and then there was a Kelly own goal I don't really remember that one does anyone remember that one mm-hmm. Martin Kelly yeah, probably, does. I mean, yeah, probably still keeps him awake doesn't it um, but there you go so obviously a tough run of games and a tough run of results but we picked up a very important 2-0 win against Huddersfield uh, after that game, it was uh, an early Tompkins goal and a Luka Milivojevic penalty that uh, got saw us get the points there. And that was kind of a, the, the point where things really started to pick up for us. We did lose um, 2-1 to Liverpool after that, before we went on a good run. Now, I think, was it Carrius in that game did some horrific tackle on someone? <laughs> It will come back to me. Marne should have got Marne definitely should have gone yeah. off that game. I remember that. For just remember it being, I've just been being very. You know, it was we we lost it, but we shouldn't have done so much when Liverpool's way in that game. It was untrue, yeah. um, and and they were really dirty in that in that particular match. But um, my my son's first panic game that one. See, uh, that's why I hate <laughs> Liverpool. Good, good. That's the way. It'd it already been be. to twenty two Watford games by that point, though. <laughs> 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 but as I say, that was kind of a turning point for us. Didn't lose for the rest of the season in the uh, so it's the remaining what six games. Um, so draw against Bournemouth. At which point were we safe in this? You've got memories. Um, I don't. Th- it was technically the Leicester game. I think Stoke? would have put us safe. Oh, it might have been Stoke. But it was. It was. Yeah. I mean. It was all from the point we bit Huddersfield was the real key one, really. When we won that game, it was that that was a big six pointer in in the snow. And, um, yeah. and you know, it's funny that I always think I was looking back at that game earlier. And, um, no, if Andros Townsend won a penalty in that game, and if Wilfred Zaha had won that penalty, everyone would have been laying into him because it's one where you know he drags his feet and seeks the contact out from the goalie. Yeah. No one says anything about it because it's Andros Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, I remember that. Remember that pretty well. Definitely looking for it. Um, mm-hmm. But well, contact was there. That's what I'm going to say in his defence and uh, and defence of any Palace players. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, draw draw against Bournemouth, and then um, really enjoyable three two victory over Brighton. Um, all the goals in the first half. Uh, early goal from Zaha in the fifth minute, followed up by a, a, a sort of scrambled effort by Tompkins going over the line. 
the 14th minute, we were in in sort of, let's call it Dreamville, I'm going to call it. And we were very, very happy at that point. Then Murray gets his head on a um, an effort from a corner to flick it into the net. Typical Glenn Murray. And just when you're thinking, ah, oh, you know, this might go against us, Zaha pops up again, 24th minute to smash one home. 3-1, and you're kind of thinking, game over. Some wobbly moments, it's fair to say, particularly after Izquierdo scored um, what was a very good goal, um, unfortunately. But held out well for the win and uh, very much enjoyed that. Yeah, one. Glenn Murray missing an absolute sitter right late on. Oh, God, yeah. But it looked like he was playing for us in the second <laughs> half. He just, <laughs> just kept, kept clearing it, didn't he? But the one in particular where his foot was at completely the wrong angle to score. Yeah. I, um, I yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, good recollection. So there we go. Draw, draw against Watford um, for, for another well-fought point there. At uh, Vicarage Road, were you? Uh, was your son at that one? <laughs> no, no. Right, just no. checking. And uh, then and again, another thrashing of Leicester City, and I really enjoyed this one. Um, got a lot of my family tickets for this one in the Arthur Way, and um, they kind of wonder what all the fuss was about all season because it was <laughs> their first game. Um, and I think Harry Maguire was had a turning circle of a barge in that match. Uh, and we just absolutely took them apart. And that was where we really saw the brilliant link-up play. Zaha, Van Aanholt, Van Aanholt and Loftus-Cheek down the left-hand side in particular. Just absolutely tore them around. And of, and of course, redemption for Christian Benteke in the 90th minute. Um, and I thought that was a really nice moment because that's, that's the sort of thing that restores your faith in, a, in our support. And generally speaking, at games, we're not, we're not too bad at support. It's Twitter where, where our support seems to be quite evil. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm generalising. You're you're all very nice, um, but yeah, I just I, I love that moment. It was you know it's not quite tears to the eyes kind of moment, but it was nice that he got a, a rousing reception after scoring it as well. And callback, looping it back to earlier, a beautiful uh, through ball from Mamasako in that game. Oh yeah, I yes, for on. goal number four. Don't know, don't care. Yeah, for for a goal it was Van Aanholt, wasn't it? I think you're right. Saying, I think that was goal four. But anyway, um, great, great thrashing. Very much enjoyed that. Um, we relegated Stoke, didn't we? That was nice. The, Pat- the Patrick Van yeah, Arnold curse. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he scored. Didn't he, he, he scored a hell of a lot of goals towards the end of this. Well, I say a hell of a lot of goals. Some goals, three goals towards well, the end of this. He had that record season. where he, sort of, he was kept relegating teams, sort of, you know, because he relegated Stoke, then yeah. relegated West Brom, then relegated yeah Huddersfield um scoring in all spoiler alert that's next that's next next yes. time <laughs> next time on back of the nest <laughs> um end of the season last game of the season was a 2-0 win over West Brom uh, Zaha and the aforementioned Patrick van Arnholt and uh, a lovely end to the season um and it was kind of a yeah what was all the fuss about moment incredible to think that you could start a season with you know no goals and no points after seven games, yet we've we finished it. I'm not scrolling to the table. We finished, <laughs> we finished it in eleventh place with forty four points, equal on tenth in tenth for Newcastle, uh, just behind on goal difference. And um, you know, absolutely glorious end to the season, full of optimism. So that's it. That's that's the end of the uh, the season review. Just a, a, we mentioned the cup. 
where we lost to Bristol City um, in the in the League Cup, an unfortunate um, but and slightly boring defeat to Brighton in the FA Cup, which obviously doesn't matter, and we don't talk where, about where it. Where ba- Bakary uh, Sacco's smacked it, as Wilfred Zaha said on Instagram, slapped it. Yeah, slapped it. Yep, yeah. and um, but I uh, a late Glenn Murray goal, which was uh, shades of handball about it. If yeah. We're honest. Yeah, yeah, first but, VAR um, use in England. Yeah, not mm. according to VAR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They let him get away with it. But um, yeah, so that's it. We ended 2017-18 in 11th place. Roy Hodgson as manager. And we were hopeful that we might actually get to go into the following season with the manager still in place. I wonder if we did. <laughs> so that'll be uh, next time on Back of the Nest, the Palace Years, where we look at season 2018-19. So my thanks to Sam for producing to Terence and Albert for joining me. To you for listening. Obviously, get in touch with us, hi at backofthenest.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch by email and check us on all our social medias, and of course, subscribe to the podcast on your chosen podcast app where you can rate us five stars and only five stars. Mm. <laughs> I think that's a good good way to end. Mm. Or we could end on congratulations to Roy Hodgson being given the key to Croydon at the end of the 17-18 season. Oh, wow, well, he was, wasn't he? Wasn't he? If they... It's a shame we can't remember After... where he put them. <laughs> <laughs> After our home record last year, maybe maybe, maybe sort of uh, take that back. Um, just give him a little incentive for next season at the time of recording. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, that's kind of petered out now, isn't it? You can um, yeah. you can sort that out in the edit, Sam, couldn't you? Just kind of just um, so it ends, so we don't end on this sort of low energy sort of uh, bit. Goodbye. <laughs>